during that time received an award from Faces and Voices for being the Recovery Advocate of the Year. So yeah, you want to talk about shame, guilt, and really having a hard time forgiving yourself. That was one of the worst secrets I ever had. Welcome to the Secret Life Podcast. Tell me your secret. I'll tell you mine. When I first started my recovery 11 years ago, I struggled through the textbook-like material on the subject. I wanted to make the addiction and the recovery from it accessible and relatable to more people by telling it in an entertaining way. Well, I'm super excited to announce I've released my first book, Secret Life of a Hollywood Sex and Love Addict. If I can help just one person find a solution or at least realize they're not broken or alone, then writing this has been worth it. You can pick up the book exclusively at Amazon or signed copy at secretlifenovel.com. And the best way to support our podcast is to subscribe and share. If you haven't left a review or rating on Apple Podcasts yet, please do. It'll help more people find our show. And if you want to be a guest, shoot me a note at secretlifepodcast at iCloud.com. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to Secret Life Podcast. I'm Brienne Davis-Gant. Today, I'm pulling back the curtains of all kinds of human secrets. We'll hear about what people are hiding from themselves or others. You know those deep, dark secrets you probably want to take to your grave, or those lighter, funnier secrets that are just plain embarrassing. Really, the how, what, when, where, and why of it all. Today, my guest is Jason. Now, Jason, I have a question for you. Yes. Dun, dun, dun. What is your secret? Oh, my gosh. Wow. (laughs) Wow. God, what is my secret now or in the past? Uh, All of them. All of them. (laughs) All of them. No, I'll go with the secret that really tore me down uh, and that ripped me up, um, which was being, uh, you know, I I originally got sober uh, July 23rd, 2010 and had multiple years of sobriety Mm -hmm. and uh, relapsed after, I want to say it was in my going, it was in four years of sobriety going into my fifth year and relapsed uh, and hid that from everybody uh, for a long time. uh, How long did you hide it? I want to say... God, for about a year until it was not possible to hide anymore. But the worst part about that uh-huh. is I actually, during that time, received an award <gasps> for, uh, out in Washington, D.C. from Faces and Voices for being the Recovery Advocate of the Year. So, Oh, that's brutal. <laughs> yeah, you want to talk about shame, guilt, and... Mm-hmm really having a hard time forgiving yourself. That was one of the worst secrets I ever had because it ended up coming to haunt me in so many different ways in my life. And it, it was not pretty. And it, it it took me to some serious, serious depths of, of addiction again. I mean, it drove me uh, down this course of on and off relapsing for years, for let's say three and a half years, um, not being able to get into a place of true serenity and, and uh, you know, surrendering and, and being willing and open to, to take direction. And because I just went such a down a, a deep, dark path um, that I didn't know that I could even get out anymore. It's so interesting because you are talking about a chemical addiction with alcohol, correct? Is it just alcohol or? Alcohol, cocaine, okay. uh, Adderall. Okay. Um, 
anything that gets you going. <laughs> but here's the thing of being a sex and love addict, I never slipped. Like I didn't have a slip because I saw people around me that slipped and the depth you go to with the shame and the stigma and the secrets, I was terrified that if I slipped that I would never come back because it's really hard to come back once you have that, right? Like it it was, I'll never forget, you know, sitting in treatment again, Mm -hmm. um, you know, down the road. Uh, I was sitting there and I, I literally was just, I was thinking of shame and mm-hmm. I had come up with the acronym and treatment self-hatred against my existence. That's what uh, shame, that's yeah. what shame meant to me. And not, not to mention, uh, I ended up going into detox, uh, and later the next, all right, that next day, my, my wife was pregnant and her water broke. So I went from the detox floor up to the <gasps> fourth floor in Hogue to watch my daughter be delivered. Um, and I mean, that's how, how deep, how deep it got. Uh, and, and that wasn't even, you'd think that would be enough um, to get you out of you know, it, but it's not. No. And I act, I did not stay long enough. I did not actively arrest the disease. I did not get stabilized. Uh, you know, went home three or four days, you know, after and was back using again. And then six months had gone by and then I ended up having to go back to detox and back into treatment. Um, and by the grace of God, that was my last treatment stent. Um, but it is a a question though. Can I, can we go back to that first time after almost five years of sobriety? What was that moment where you decided to, to do it again? Did something come up? Did something happen? Or was it just a boring day where you just found yourself acting? I I love that you asked this because I think it's a really important thing. Um, you know, it's there. What, so what had happened is life got really good. Uh, you know, yeah, right. Too good. <laughs> it, it, it really did. Life got really, really good. The promises were coming to fruition for me. And, um, you know, I'd gotten really, I was super, super busy. And I actually went and saw my psychiatrist, um, mm-hmm. who has seen me for, and known me for years. Uh, and obviously not well enough after I, I tell you this, but we were talking, you know, and he's basically just like, you have a lot of, you know, you have a lot going on. It seems like you're taking on too much. You got a lot of anxiety, you know, you got ADD. Yeah. Um, you know, me too, me too. <laughs> right. And, 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 and again, with no intention of, of trying to abuse anything or get high or anything like that, he ended up prescribing me Adderall. Mm. And, um, you know, within a, a couple months, I ended up getting prescription dyslexia instead of taking one every four hours, I was taking four every one hour. Uh, and it basically dominoed effect and that Adderall addiction ended up going into me taking, geez, three, 300 milligrams a day, um, wow. which is basically, again, for people that don't know, I mean, it's pharmaceutical synthetic grade meth. And here's the thing. Adderall is used so much right now. Can you, it's, it's out of control. Like people are using it all the time. People, it, people are. And I mean, but, and that's the thing too, is is after abusing that, I mean, mm-hmm. after six, seven months, I mean, not only did I lose a ton of weight, I looked horrible. I was in, you know, I was sleep deprived. I was like in a psychosis. Were you working um, at the same time with all that I, going on? Yeah, I was working yeah. with all that. And, you know, I mean, it, I was working probably more, mm-hmm. um, you know, I don't know how effective I was being, <laughs> but uh, with, with all that, that was happening, you know, I ended up, you know, I ended up turning back to alcohol too, because I couldn't sleep anymore. Mm. And so that's where this whole cycle just started to domino is this Adderall, you know, uh, addiction turned into me starting to drink again. 
nobody knowing on the outside this, you know, my wife knew at home, she was an untreated codependent, you know, and, yeah. and not how, and, you know, how to deal with the, the issues and circumstances. Cause we, she met me sober and we got married sober and, uh, you know, all oh, she knew she me was she... as right. Yeah. Because my so that... husband and I, he was sober when we got together, but then he entered another program. So I've seen him, you know, act out in another addiction. So your wife, had the same thing where she had to go through this. It's like meeting a new person. Yes, it is. And again, is, you know, when we're in active addiction, especially with substance abuse um, in that area, I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're mass manipulators, you know, we lie, cheat, steal to get what we want. And, you know, I basically had her like a puppet around my finger uh, until it got to a point, obviously where it, it, you know, that, that all fell apart and she ended up, you know, basically having a mini intervention on me. Um, but it was a, uh, a very vicious, vicious cycle, very vicious cycle. And that went on for a couple, a couple years before years. you hit, hit that intervention. How was that intervention? If you can, if you want to add, you don't have Are to you talk kidding? about it. Of course. No, <laughs> I, it, it was the most, it was the most freeing experience in the world. Uh, for, for so long, I had so much fear. Mm-hmm. about what would happen if people had known I'd relapsed because there was so much trauma and so much uh, uh, harm that I had done in my, my using days yeah. that I just did not want to, you know, hurt the people around me and all the people that supported me and all those things. And, you know, but most importantly, you know, for, for myself, it was just like, I, I couldn't believe I'd gotten back to where I was, but it was, I had just had all that fear up until that moment was completely lifted it just felt like that elephant finally got his foot off my chest uh and like the cat was out of the bag you know and it was just like I was able to breathe Mm -hmm. um and it was a very freeing freeing experience um I'm I was I was so grateful I mean I I don't know how much longer I was gonna I was gonna last I mean in my addiction when I use it's not just you know drinking and using it takes me to the depths of you know not contemplating but you know wanting to attempt suicide and stuff because I always think it's like you are trying to commit suicide in any it's a slow it's a slow way 100 percent, right 100 percent. like because there's this sickness where we hate ourselves so much that we want to destroy ourselves subconsciously or consciously no it is and it's not wanting to be you know you're not wanting to be present in that moment you know and it's it's you know why are you wanting to escape and it's you're really just in a, a, a miserable state of existence um and that's why i think it's like when people struggle with addiction it's so again, it's not to justify their behaviors, you know, when people have these negative connotations associated with them, but it's just to try to understand that like, hey, look, there's no such thing as recreational use of heroin. There's no such thing as recreational use of, you know, of meth or, you know, drinking a bottle of vodka a day. It's like, imagine what that person's having to go through every day just to try to get through what they're getting, you know, going through. Yeah. It's not a choice. It's not like we're like, hey, I want to use somebody, use something today to feel better or feel okay or to feel good yeah, in I, this reality. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, wake up, I can't wait to destroy my life today. What can I do? Like, <laughs> yeah. Or destroy somebody else. Yay. <laughs> and that's that's the misconception behind a lot of this. And that's why, I mean, it's such a multifaceted disease, uh, you know, and when you're dealing with it, and it's like you said, you know, kind of just, uh, in parallel with this, this dominoed, you know, with the other secret was, you know, having a gambling addiction, having like, mm-hmm. you know, getting into a porn addiction, um, and all those different things that that dominoed from all of this. Uh, which again is looking back at even the relapse, and I think was the the triggering events. You know, not that it was a planned relapse, in, and again is take it however you want, but that also opened up, you know, 
so many other very or, or so it dealt with so many other it, let me do that again it it um it opened up i don't know what pandora's box if you will to all these other things that i guess were untreated yeah right? it's so all it's like underneath it it's always it's, un, there's more underneath that chemical addiction usually there's other ways we've always acted out that we never looked at correct and i think that for me too is like being able to look back now and having all those things, you know, the, the, the gambling, the porn, all those things be, you know, revealed. Mm-hmm. It was like, that was another thing that I'm, I'm like grateful all that happened when it did. Obviously it was a miserable experience, but it was like, it allotted me the opportunity to focus and work on those areas, which were really underlying triggers that I had that I'd never really, uh, uh, you know, accepted. Yeah. It's all that stuff that we like walk around in the world that we're doing that we have no idea we're doing. And then when it comes to light is like, oh, there's a way out of this darkness that I've created for myself. Exactly. It's it's brutal. I mean, it's brutal. So how long now have you been sober from the chemical addiction or the gambling or the porn? So my new sobriety uh, sobriety date is December seventeenth, two thousand and nineteen. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's a year and a half now? Yeah, Woo-hoo. yeah. So yeah, so it's 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 been going good. I mean, this time around, there's something different. You know, what do you think it is that's different? You know, I think there's there's a few things. I mean, it's it's the the honesty, the humility. Uh, the relationships that I have around me, you know, mm-hmm. I think is, is, is a big proponent that the, you know, your product of your environment. And I think the people I've surrounded myself with are a, a big contributing factor to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, God's a big part of my life. Um, you know, uh, family um, is a big part of my life, but you know, it's, 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 I have consistency and I have structure and structure creates safety. Um, you know, I have a routine I have, um, you know, I put my program as my number one priority, uh, you know, God and my program are, are what comes first and everything, uh, falls into place after that, you know, with family and friends and, uh, work and all those other areas. Um, And I love when I say that to people too. I'm like, my program comes first. My husband says the same thing. And people are like, wait, no, your husband or your child is supposed to be first. And you're like, no, because if I don't put this first and myself first in that way, then I will fuck up everything else. All that, everything will be gone. And yeah. I, I'm a, I've, I've already experienced that. I mean, I was, I was literally hanging on by a thread, um, you know, at this last go around. I mean, it was, it was at that point where I was literally almost lost everything, um, you know, house, you know, wife, kids. I mean, it, it got to that point where it was so bad one thing that I always heard was service. You know what I mean? And I always, I always, uh, love being of service, but I think for me, like that's one of the biggest things for me today is really giving back. You know, there's nothing more gratifying than giving back and not looking for anything yeah. in return. Yeah. So I live by like a mantra, uh, every day is, you know, do something nice with somebody and don't get caught. Yeah. And that's the thing. That's what the old timers talk about. There was this whole, you know, a, a we're 12 steppers, but not everybody's listening, but are, but 
there's this thing where people were saying that addicts then become addicted to service. And it was like the old time I was like, no, we're not. We don't become addicted to service. We're grateful for the serenity and peace we're feeling. And we want to pay it forward. We want to help another addict feel that way. And that gives us a sense of gratitude and peace, like pain. Well, it, it, more than that, it gives you a sense of purpose you yeah. know, and, and motivation. And I think that's like to, to just, you know, kind of close off what you were asking with that question is, is I get to wake up every day and I have a purpose. I'm motivated, you know, and I have something I get to look forward to every single day with my work, with my family, with the activities, the hobbies, and the things that I've created in my life. I I've created a life that's worth living today. Yeah. And it's not all about ego because, but sometimes here's the tricky thing, especially when you get sober longer and longer, you can then somehow transfer your service like you're doing it. I had that yes. moment at, I think, eight or nine years when I was like sponsoring and speaking all over. And I was like, I'm doing this. And it's like, God's like, no, this is not you. Like, this has nothing to do with you. This is, yeah. this is, I'm just using you to help other people. This, you can take yourself out of it. Yeah, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. That's the beauty of it. Because sometimes if like somebody does well, I'm like, yay, look what I did. I helped them do well. And it's like, no, yes, lady, no, stop. this is not about you. <laughs> Correct. No. And that's, it's, and I think that's one of the greatest joys too, is, is when you are of service, especially for people that struggle and, you know, whether it's sex addiction, whether it's, you know, alcohol, gambling, drugs, whatever it may be though, is when you do give back and you're a part of that process, even though they're doing the work and and, mm -hmm. and they're putting one foot in front of the other to see their lives transform. I mean, that's uh, one of the most gratifying things is to see where they were when they came in and to see where they are, you know, a month. Isn't months. that like, it's like the best thing in the entire world. Like, honestly, it is the best feeling better than being on a TV show, which you have been, I have been money in the bank, a house, a wife, a kid, whatever. It literally is the best feeling in the whole world for me too. It is. And the best part about that too, is it, it keeps giving back to, especially when those people, you know, maintain the course is like, you know, around the holidays, Christmas, you know, Thanksgiving, Easter, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. You know, people will send a text just of gratitude. Hey, thank you so much for allowing our family to be together again. It's another another year. You know, and it, that's all the way back from 2010. You know, I mean, there's people that still reach out that that have have sustained and maintained and, and have a, a flourishing life. Uh, and it's just it's cool to know that you you help that you know you didn't you help that person get to where they're going. And that ripple effect, they start helping other people, and then Correct. It ripples, and it ripples and it helps families heal and it it stops generational addiction, which ran in my family. That's the other question I want to ask you: Does addiction run in your family? Hell yes, <laughs> yes. Ding uh, ding ding. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the thing is, look, I mean, uh, I would say half my family struggles with some form of substance abuse or mental health. And, you know, after like getting, you know, more educated and knowledgeable on this is 20, 20% 20 of all people that struggle with addiction are pre-genetically, uh, pre-genetically disposed to it. And the yeah. other 80% is more environmental and, uh, and, uh, situational and stuff. But, uh, I definitely, if, you know, if the, the, the addiction gene runs deep in my family, that's yeah, for sure. Too. But here's the thing. I don't know anybody close to me that has a chemical addiction in my family, but when I went back generationally, three you know, my great, great, great grandfather was an alcoholic and then every generation handled it differently and became addicts like overeaters, codependents, you know, workaholics. It was crazy when I went and looked back. 
Because I had no idea. Because the chemical addiction is easy to spot. Because you're like, oh, they're shooting heroin in the corner or they're drinking a bottle of whiskey. Like, I see that. But the other ones can be so hard to detect, especially the codependency and the sex and love addiction. Those are really hard to spot. They are. And I think people, and it's with that is, you know, me and my wife, we've Mm -hmm. talked about this for so long now is because wherever there's an alcoholic or an addict, there's a codependent. And sometimes Mm -hmm. they're just as sick, if not sicker. Um, and I think when we address that is uh, come to find out, not only is, you know, is my wife a codependent and and an enabler, uh, is I'm a codependent, you know what I mean? So we had, not only am I dealing with the addiction side, I have the codependency side. And so does she, I mean, we were dealing with a perfect storm. Um, but it's, it's those variations without the education and the knowledge can be very detrimental. So let me ask you, we are running out of time. I, we literally could talk forever because like you are one of my types of favorite people to talk to the people that like been through the darkness and are on the other side. Like, I just love. You're my type of girl, man. This is where it's (laughs) at. We'll have to do it again for sure. Uh, But I want to ask if someone out there is struggling, you know, wanting to go back to those about to slip, their life is great. What would be your advice for them right now? Like if someone is listening it about to just slip for not because of darkness, because their life is so amazing. Yeah, no, I, I think honestly, it goes back to it's, it's picking up the phone uh, for me is, is reaching out to somebody, being able to be completely open and honest um, is, is the number one thing that I would do is you got to be able to tell on yourself. Yeah. Tell those secrets, right? You know? Yeah. It's, that, that would be if the one person is struggling, it would be, yeah, it would be to, to pick up the phone, be pick up the phone and keep calling until somebody picks up. Okay. So here's the last question for you. Yes. Your life is fucking great right now. Yes. You know, the Hills is, are back. It's a hit show. You just had your second baby. You and your wife are doing great. You're in recovery. You're being of service. You're about to get two years soon. How do you not slip this time? Well, number one is to take it one day at a time. Uh, that is that is really kind of my mantra now is mm-hmm. to really be in the moment, be present, uh, and live every day for what it's worth. Uh, that's number so, one. What so I no, do. F- no future tripping. <laughs> no, no future tripping. But I also what something that I do is again going back to you know I told you I have you know consistency with structure. Mm-hmm. And in the morning I have those routines. I wake up, I do my morning meditation, I do my prayer, I do a gratitude list. Not only uh, I do a gratitude list of three things I'm grateful for, but not only what I'm grateful for, but why. I send mm-hmm. that out to ten other guys. Uh, we have that go around. I've been doing that for the last couple of years. Um, and then I, you know, I either go to a meeting or I do exercise is a big proponent of it. Um, but the biggest thing that's been the most helpful for me is not only waking up and having, you know, that process in the morning, mm-hmm. but it's at nighttime, um, is really doing a, a, a daily reprieve and looking at the areas where I fell short, uh, you know, finding out where I need to make amends, uh, and, you know, looking at the areas that I can prove upon, uh, for the next day. And then I, I set myself up, uh, with the priority list of the three things that I want to accomplish, uh, when I wake up the next day. Oh, I love that. Those are doable things that everybody can do. Even if you're not an addict, the gratitude yeah. list, the prayer, the meditation, the self-care, then looking at your day and saying, Ooh, where did I go wrong? And where can I go right tomorrow? Yeah. And because that's really what it comes down to. I mean, for me is like when I'm able to look back and like, even if it's just like, God, I I overbooked myself, you know what I mean? It's something that you would just be like, Oh, don't do that again. But like, if I actually write it down and I can identify like, Hey, I can't take that many meetings. Like I overwhelmed myself. I created a bunch of anxiety. You know, I then got in an argument with my wife because I was frustrated. Like you don't realize those little things can really domino 
And the more that I can bring awareness to it, the more I can accept it. And then I'm able to actually have an action plan to go with it. Uh, because it's halt, right? Hungry, angry, Hungry, lonely, lonely, tired. tired. Exactly. Come on. (laughs) I mean, my wife's go-to. It's a checklist. Just check it off if you are. You know, the mantras that you hear like the one day at a time, you know, easy does it. They're simple because they work. You know what I mean? And I think it's like, I used to always kind of mock those. Like, oh, those are so cheesy or lame. And it's like, I actually really live by those now because I've accepted and, and looked at the the true meaning behind it. And it's like, God, when you can just really, you know, live by those, it's like life becomes easier. Yeah, it becomes so much easier. Thank you so much for coming on. I know you're a very busy man. I am completely grateful that you are a fellow and someone to reach out to and experience strength and hope. And I I'm so honored you came on Secret Life. So thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate all the work you're doing. And uh, let's let's touch base again here soon. And if you want to be on the show, please email me at secretlifepodcast at iCloud.com. Until next time. Thanks again for listening to the show. Please subscribe, rate, share, or send me a note at secretlifepodcast.com. And if you'd like to check out my book, head over to secretlifenovel.com or Amazon to pick up a copy for yourself or someone you love. Thanks again. See you soon. Mm-hmm.